Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with James Freeman, a social media strategist and one of three social media experts that helped bring the recent Doomlings card game to become one of the top 150 board game projects of all time. It raised over $650,000. We're going to talk about it on this podcast. James, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. You have been on my list uh, for quite some time. Uh, some would think it's because of, um, of Doomlings, but actually I think it goes back even further than that. You reached out to me uh, when you were doing the social media on Doomlings, and uh, that's how that whole interview kind of got set up on The Binge. And uh, I've been kind of watching your social media feed since then. I thought, gosh, this is a guy that uh, I think would be a great guest on our, on our show to kind of talk about that aspect of the, of, the, uh, of the business and of the industry. Before we get there, let's get into the history of how you got into the board game industry in the first place. How did it all, how did it all start? So where it started was um, when my kids were younger, I, I just noticed that we weren't spending a lot of time together. And, mm. um, and my, son, my son seemed interested in gaming and uh, I gamed a lot when I was a kid. I think we all did. Like my game games were like Stratego and Dark Tower, and like you know I'm a I'm a '70s kid, so all the games that were out <laughs> stock ticker then. <laughs> and um, you know I asked him, "Do you want to do these? Do you want to start playing games?" And he was like, "Yeah," and he was super into it. So uh, I'm like, "Well, maybe we should do a blog." And he goes, "You know, he's eight, and I'm saying, you know, you should do a blog with me." He's like yeah i don't care you don't even know what it is and um that's cool so we made a blog called dad mostly loses <laughs> and um because he generally beat me most of the time yeah and um we started reviewing games and then it just from from there um my whole my whole thing in the gaming industry is because of mandy hutchinson who works for dice tower now okay um i knew her on instagram and i said if you ever have anything that you're doing just let me know i'd like to be involved and she had a blog called to die for games and she's like maybe you want to help out with the blogging here and i was like yeah i'd love to do that and so i was with mandy for about a year doing that so how, how old your son now my son is 15 wow okay and so I can, I can i can still i can still get him to play hero escape <laughs> and um cube quest and that's pretty much it how long? I, can, I mean, I could force. I mean, I could force him. I'm six eight. I'm a giant man. Like, <laughs> I could just make him do what I want, but I choose not to. So, uh, so obviously, seven years ago. So, how how many years did, did you guys blog together? We blogged together for about two about two years. That's amazing. We we did we did about we did about fifty to sixty reviews. Some stuff. Well, after a while, people started. At, you know, I started getting games from companies, and then we just reviewed stuff he liked or thought was interesting. I got to tell you that as a parent myself, that that is the dream, right? Is to be able to find something, anything uh, that you can bond with your kids over, that you can do together um, and, and build those memories, right? Those memories are going to last a lifetime, right? You're going to reflect back on that 20, 30 years from now. Um, that is awesome. That, that, that's amazing. And so from there, how did that then kind of get into... So so right now, I think you work, is it with Coke? Is that your Coca-Cola yes, bottling I, company, I work, right? Yeah, I work. Yes, I've been with Coca-Cola for a really long time. Before, while I was doing the blog, um, Coca-Cola decided to put a social media team together. Yeah. And I said I would be on it. And it was very, 
it was very minor. Like we didn't do a lot, but we did, we got with um, various partners and posted content. And then, um, so I gained a little bit of experience there. And then um, I saw that um, Wise Wizard was hiring on uh, Facebook actually for a job. Mm -hmm. So I, I'll tell it straight. So I signed a letter and I say, you know, I don't know if I'm qualified for this job, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know. I said, I said, here's what I've done. I've worked a little bit with Mandy and um, if you're interested, you know, let me know. Yeah. And uh, you know, a, a little bit goes by and Deb goes, you know, can I, can I talk to you? I'm like, Oh, awesome. And I go, sure. So, you know, I talked to her on my lunch break and she goes, that was the worst email I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> why, why are you telling people you're not qualified? I go, I'm just being honest. She goes, don't be that honest. That's awesome. Like I, she goes, I almost wasn't going to call you because you sounded like you didn't know what you were talking about. I go, well, I just, I just didn't know if it was like enough. I didn't know. Yeah. So the whole Martha Stewart, you know, fake it till you can make it uh, didn't apply in that case. You're like, no, I'm just going to tell them straight up where I'm at. Yeah, I, I generally try to do that with everything. It doesn't it doesn't always pan off, but I have a clear conscience. So how did you build then your skill set? Like, did you take training? Like I like I know from no. um, your background, you, you have been certified like in Google Analytics and some of those kind of trainings, yes. right? So was a lot of it self-taught? Did you kind of seek it's, out these it's different- all, It's all self-taught. It's all, you know, like I didn't, I didn't go to school for any of this. Like I yeah. just, I just, I just love it. I, I love doing it and I love the interaction and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And I just, I just grinded it out. I just yeah. would try things. And if it didn't work, I'd be like, all right, we need to stop doing that. And then I wouldn't do that anymore. And I would try, I would just keep pitching ideas to see what would work. I mean, the, the tough part in, you know, for the listeners who are maybe working on games of themselves, uh, the advice they probably don't want to hear is you got to figure it out right? You got to figure yeah. out the social media piece is so crucial and so critical to everything you're going to do. If you're going to publish a game that you got to get a base knowledge up. So what, where is somewhere you would point someone? So if someone is like saying, Hey, okay, you know what? I get it. You know, I've got to kind of figure this out. Where should they start looking? They should look at as far as, as far as what? As far like as building their knowledge base on social media and how to do the different tools and so forth. Yeah. Um, what you should, what you should do is you should, follow accounts that you that you like or games that you like and see yeah. see what works and what doesn't like you can it's very easy to look at intel right like if, if an account has a hundred instagram posts and one has five likes and one has a hundred clearly the one with a hundred is clicking for the audience so you should you should try that and that and that might not necessarily work for your game specifically yeah. that might just be something that works for that company but there's lots of information out there that you can just farm basically to see what's working for people. So when you went to Wise Wizard, where, what, what did you do there? So how did you kind of cut your teeth when you got into that company? What was your role? Um, initially, initially, I was just doing a little, a little social media and posting and interacting with the audience. Um, and I just, so much of what I learned, I learned there because I was so raw and I didn't really know what was working and it just it just took time like it mm -hmm. just took a lot of time and, and deb was super patient with me like she really didn't need to be and you know she was just super patient with jim this doesn't work you should try this or, or that worked that was great we want you to try this like she was just super helpful and um 
you know, when I, when I look at social media, a lot of people think that it's kind of all encompassing and it's one skill set, but it's, it's actually multiple skill sets, right? So content creation is one skill set. Uh, interacting with your audience is another skill set. Um, you know, going and buying ads, that's a completely different skill set. And you kind of need all of those. And if you can be an expert at all of them, that's great. But if not, um, you got to kind of figure out how to get those three pieces together. Um, you know, I noticed that you play testing at Victory Point Games is something that you, uh, you know, have on your resume. And how did you get into that? So did you just call them up and say, hey, I want to play test for you? Or how does something like that come about? Um, they had they had an ad for a social job and I didn't and it had already expired, but I didn't know it. And I was like. <laughs> And I said, "Hey, I'd really be interested." And and he had a he had a Western New York connection because I'm from Buffalo. Yeah. So he so like I so like I mentioned that in the email, and he's like, "We don't we don't have that job," but he said, "I noticed you play a bunch of solo stuff. Would you be interested in being a solo play tester?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Like I'd be down for that." So if there's someone out there looking to get into playtesting, how would they go about it? Do you literally just cold call companies or is there? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Like I just, you just literally, you know, it doesn't take that much time to throw an email, just throw an email yeah. out there. Like, like, you know, be, be kind, be a little, you know, be straightforward in what you're looking for. And, um, you know, something, something might hit, they might not have anything, but they, you know, they might remember that you asked yeah down the road or, or you might see like i think a, for somebody that wants to get in those um facebook sites for uh tabletop game jobs are great yeah like they are they are great they they do such ross does such a good job posting all the a ton of the jobs that are available there yeah yeah it's interesting when we're interviewing uh, joe slack about his newest book um uh careers in the industry i think that's the title something like that you know it's all about jobs in the board game industry. And one of the insights I had after I read that book was as a publisher, I have the same kind of questions that the people on the other side have that are trying to get into the industry. who are thinking, you know, where do I go? And, you know, is anybody going to be even interested in having me be part of their team? And, you know, often the answer is just is, well, just try to ask, right? And on the flip side, from the publisher side, I've been kind of stuck with this too, where I'm like, you know, gosh, I could use help here. I could use help there, but I don't want to insult people. I don't want, you know, you know, I, I might not have any funds to put together, uh, you know, hiring somebody. And one thing I really got out of that book is, you know what, why don't you just kind of throw it out there and see, there might be people who actually just want to help because they want to kind of cut their teeth in the industry and just be part and, of something. Yeah. In, in life, generally, I feel that like <laughs> everything's a no, right? Like if you don't ask, yeah. It's a no right out of the gate. So if it's going to be no anyways, yeah. you might as well just throw it out there. Yeah, it's the famous, uh, say, Wayne Gretzky, right? And that's all, all of us yep, Canadians like to is. say, is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So That's right. And on my end, I did that recently. So I, you know, we had the nice squirrels at the Oakwood Forest game. I sent a, 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 a note out when I did my update saying, hey, we're looking at doing some translation to different languages. If there's anybody interested, reach out to me. Uh, like within like 15 minutes, I had a ton of people reach out to me saying, I would absolutely love to help translate this game, which has helped me quite a bit. Cause I was sitting there thinking on our end, okay, we've made very, you know, we, we funded well, but we didn't actually make a lot of money. So we got to take that very slim margin now and try to cut that up into translating into these different languages. And, you know, you're limited to the ones that you kind of promised, but man, it'd be great if you could actually translate into multiple languages, even beyond that. And we had volunteers, right? People saying, well, you know, um, 
you know, what about for people in Sweden? Uh, are you doing translation there? I'll help you. And it's like, wow, I never even thought about that. But yes, you know, it takes nothing for me to do a digital copy. So if, if you're willing to help right. with the translation, I can easily do a digital copy. And guess what? We're going to make a lot of people happy that uh, probably weren't expecting to get uh, get in their own language. So, um, you know, less I love learned. Sweden. Make sure you get it to Sweden. I love Sweden. <laughs> Sweden is the greatest. So you went from um, Wise Wizard Games. You're uh, currently doing playtesting for Victory Point Games. The one thing I was going to say when you said solo, was that kind of like uh, an area that you really focused on for a while? Or like where did the solo piece come I from? Was a, I was a solo gamer. Um, Mandy will tell you that I've been solo gaming since the beginning, which I didn't really realize until she mentioned it to me. But um, yeah, I, I just, I enjoy it. I don't, I don't enjoy games that end with a point total. Like I want something to actually be a definitive end to it, but I'm a big fan of, of solo and figuring out why things work the way they do, or try to break down the puzzles of, of solo playing. Like, and, and with the pandemic, it just ramped it up way more obviously oh, yeah. because, big time. because I can't meet with my regular gaming group. Like, I think, I think we're all vaccinated as of today. So next Sunday will be the first time we played together and I don't even know when. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, it's something that has really hit my radar recently too, and I think it's because of the pandemic that um, there's obviously a lot more people looking for solo versions of games. I think as a publisher, it's something that I will make sure I do in any game I launch. If I absolutely can, I'm going to do a solo version of it. Uh, we interviewed Liberty Kiefer recently, uh, from Lightheart Games. I played her, uh, Cristalo I love her. game. She's great. She's a, she's a friend of mine. I love her. Oh, her, her Cristalo game is great. So I played it and, um, I, I love how there's kind of two objectives, right? So either you have level one, if you beat it, you, then, you know, that's one kind of success marker. You get to the dragon, you beat the dragon. That's the second success marker. And then you've got like points on top of that. So you can try to, yeah, I have, bet. I have zero success at that game. I'm, <laughs> I suck at that game. I'm terrible at it. I own it. And I keep trying, but I am terrible. Yeah, I freed all the spirits, but I had absolutely zero chance of the dragon, which was awesome. And I, I kind of went in expecting that. So so as you went to Doomlings, right? So how did you get kind of hooked in with the Doomlings guys? So Doomlings basically put an ad on Board Game Geek. Mm. And I have I had alerts set up for jobs and it just it just showed up as an as a, a notification. And uh, I interviewed and I just I just hit it off really well with those guys. Like like for real i love those guys i love eric and justice and they know that like yeah, I, cool like we're 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 friends like we're actually like we were jabbing each other a little bit and i got off the phone with them and my wife goes oh you're actually friends with those guys <laughs> <laughs> and i go yeah 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 so you, you answered the ad now you were one of um three social media people that they hired um, which isn't necessarily typical of games often games will have like one person to kind of handle the campaign why right. the decision to have three people? And then how did you guys kind of split up the work? I think they, I think that Justice and Eric decided that everybody had a certain skill set. Mm. Like, Pat, like we all, we all are gamers, so we all have that. But Patrick's exceptional at video. Christine's exceptional with people. And I have all these board game contacts for reviewing. And I know a lot of people in the industry. So we all had, we all brought a certain thing to the table. And I think it, like they come from the film industry. Yeah. So they, they're used to putting together a team. And I, I think they put together an amazing team where everybody had a, a really strong part to it. And, and no doubt that they are, um, I mean, the, the game speaks for itself with the success. Um, but going into it, they were, they were new for the board game industry, right? So the, although they've yeah, got a huge yeah. career in, in the film industry and very, very successful and, you know, 
but in the board game, it was kind of their first uh, first toe in the water. Did the three social media managers kind of come out of the, when they were interviewing? It's like, oh, wait a second, there's different skills. Did they kind of figure that out during the interviewing process that they needed three different people? Or was that their plan I, kind of going in, you think? I, I believe that they did. I think they wanted to just put a team together because mm. they wanted they wanted gamers first and foremost. Yeah, That's what smart. they wanted on their team. Yeah, and And they just from there like in our roles and from what our roles start at once we started working for them they realized like where we excelled and they just we just kind of shifted around to where we were needed that's awesome and we cover like we covered for each other too like if if somebody needed help with something like like i needed help with reviewers at some point like patrick and christine jumped in to try to help me find people to review like we all really worked well together and we still we still do. We're all three of us are still there actually. So the campaign's working. done, but you guys are still going, yep. right? Yep. So what would you say was some of the things that worked really well from a social think, media perspective for you guys? Um I really think as far as the campaign, Justice's video at the top of the Doomlings page, like everybody can relate to that story about how hard the pandemic was mm-hmm. and how he how he like legitimately lost his job. Like, I think that's a very relatable story. Yeah. I think another thing that worked is if you look at the stretch goals for that game, um, I backed like over a hundred things on Kickstarter. And I, I understand when stretch goals are based on money, but like sometimes you like to see things that aren't based on money. And most of our stretch goals were not based on money. Like it was just about building a community and people having fun. With yeah. And where did that come from? Did Was that something that they had kind of had in their mind or is it something as a team you guys kind of no, mapped that out? Was, that, was complete, that was a complete team decision to do that. Everybody had a voice in that. And was it, this wasn't a new idea. So did you see this in another campaign that you guys thought, you know, let's uh, work well over here, let's try it here. Or was it something that was new? Um, we just decided that we didn't want, we wanted to try like obviously you want to try to build up your your instagram or your facebook group yeah. we wanted we wanted we wanted it just to be more interactive and feel like people were part of the campaign they were part of something different you know it's not often that like a first time game tries to just build this community like this yeah and it certainly their video was great and and the artwork was awesome right pages laid out very right. well Justice does all of that yeah. himself. He is a one-man art machine. Yeah, and you can tell. And, uh, you know, it, it, the creativity just pours through in everything that, uh, that you guys put forward. But I would say that eyeballs is still king when it comes to these campaigns, right? So you could have the best video. Um, you could have a great layout of a page. But if you have no eyeballs coming to actually look at that page, you're not, you're not going to see any growth. So what are some of the things you guys did to pull people to the page um the one thing we did is we def we responded to every single comment all of us were hands-on for it was main was mainly christine and she did an amazing job Mm -hmm. but we were all anytime there was any question big or small everybody was there and then we we built a doomlings community page where we just talked about games like we did we talk about doomlings of course but we just we also talked about games and like you know, I'm big on memes, so I'm just throwing memes up there to give people a couple <laughs>, laughs, you know, that's, yeah. and we just, we just built it like that. Like we were all just hanging out gamers talking about games and it just sort of took off. 
So given that you already had the relationships in the industry, I think that was probably uh, key as well, right? Because one of the things I think a lot of people coming in for the first time uh, realize very quickly, and I'm no different than uh, than that group of people, there's a little bit of a wall you hit coming into the industry for the first time, right? So there, it, it's people aren't usually leaping uh, to, to jump on kind of to a new publisher with a new, with their first game, right? Usually these publishers have to, you know, build over the years and kind of build that relationship. So was the relationships that you already had kind of key in that regard, um, you know, helping kind of break through some of these areas where, you know, these guys coming in raw may not have had exposure to. I think, I think it helped in a sense that um, because I was a reviewer and I knew a lot of reviewers mm -hmm. that reviewers, were more keen to help me out because they they put a heavy amount on me like i think like 70 games to get reviewers for is an awful lot <laughs> and when lot. they told me when they told me i was not very excited at all i was like 70 huh all right but you know but i think i think in that aspect it helped a lot as far as getting getting reviewers to, yeah. to help me out to make sure it got done and then once the once the video started coming in i think that that was a key component of it too because it started popping up everywhere and they're like why are all these videos about doomlings like what is this game yeah that's a good point how, so did you hit 70 was it 70 reviewers yeah yeah i did now how many did you I reach did. out to to get the 70 i would say probably a hundred and 1520 wow and i'm not going to name the uh the game but recently i was uh, on one of the pages or i think i got an email where i got e-blasted by someone that was trying to get uh reviewers and they they copied like i think a thousand different uh content creators it was crazy and uh and they weren't blind carpet copied right um how did you get the people? Was it through blogs? Was it on pages? Or was it you personally reaching out to each and each individual kind of reviewer based on your relationships? Um, I reached out to every individual reviewer. Some of them were relationships. Some of them were people that I knew on Facebook. Some of them were just people I saw on Facebook. Mm. Um, a good there's a there's a board game review Facebook page that's awesome for things like that because there's people that are new or established that are just yeah. looking to review games. So that was really helpful. Um, and the rest was just literally emailing all these people and just talking to them and seeing if they would be interested. Now, re reviews, when you send out for reviews, uh, there's no guarantee we're going to get back. Um, for people out there looking to do their own game, and 70 against seems like a lot, uh, but say somebody wants okay. to, go to go, go to that kind of a number, um, what should they expect in terms of positive, neutral, and, and negative uh, mix? No matter um, how good their game is. Because, I mean, even though, even if you have the best game, not everybody's going to love it, right? No, not everybody's going to love it. I think, I, think you, I, think, I think it's foolish to put any number on it, to be honest with you. I think because, like, you, you can't let somebody get you down, right? Like, if you believe in this game and somebody has a bad reaction to it, yeah. you, can't, you can't please everybody. So I, I, I really would just tell people to shake it off. Like, I mean, and... And obviously to print 70 games is a lot like if you can, if you can use tabletopia or places like that, yeah. that's where a lot of the industry has gone for Kickstarter preview. And, and it keeps your, it keeps the cost down too. The larger reviewers, would you say most of them are still looking for physical copies though? Um, yeah, I would think so. And, you know, and there's a, 
to be honest, there's a pay element to it for a lot of the bigger reviewers. And, yeah. and you know, and you need, you need to weigh what you think the numbers are going to be versus how much you have to pay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have reviewers versus previewers too, right? So reviewers are people right. who are getting the game naked. There's no financial payment. You get what you get. And previewers are more people where you're saying, okay, here's a copy of the game. And here's your fee that you charge to, right. uh, to create the preview video. And uh, I think we're seeing that line kind of blur a little bit now and Kickstarters that seem to be coming out in more recent years. And I, I'm actually seeing a lot more campaigns moving straight to just doing previews, quite frankly. And um, we did, and we did most, yeah. we did most, I would say almost, almost all of ours were preview. Like those are, those are genuine, yeah, honest feelings on the game. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you're usually with the preview ones. I mean, there's a fee, but you're, you're paying for quality too, right? In many cases you're getting right. some, you know, really high quality yeah. uh, video well, that, production. Yeah. We, well, I should, I should rephrase that. The most of the reviews were, we did not pay for, like right. we just sent them a game and said, you know, let's know tell us what, yeah. tell us what you, tell us what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, encourage people to go back and, and watch the Doomlings uh, interview uh, that we do with justice and uh, Eric. Cause it was, it was eye-opening for me on just what, how much of a full court press these guys took um, yeah. when they launched this campaign. I, I've not seen anything like it for a new uh, publisher. Uh, you've seen it with people Absolutely. who are well experienced, but for a new publisher, they 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 did not hold back, right? So that we had like they hired a consultant that had done a, quite a number of successful Kickstarter campaigns that kind of set up. Hired three social media managers, created a huge campaign. Um, uh, like a, a huge following and, and um, uh, like a Facebook group and so forth. Uh, right. If you follow them on Instagram, they had people making cookies in the shapes of uh, doing right. ones. Like, like anything you could possibly do, they did and they did right. Right. Like it was, uh, it was impressive. And it was, um, it, it was incredible to watch them not say no. Like somebody would yeah. make a comment and they're like, we should try that. Like, let's just try that. Like there was no pre-bias of we have to follow this certain road to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I got that vibe when when we interviewed them, too. Um, and, you know, they said, you know, we just want to have a game on a shelf uh, that's successful right. and is on a lot of shelves. We're not really focused on really making money, per se. Like, I'm sure this thing made money because it was <laughs> right. a smashing success. Um not sure how much money, because I think uh, people don't necessarily realize that uh, a good percentage of your uh, funds go into marketing and so forth, right? Yeah. Especially when you have a, a team this big, uh, the majority of their funds probably went into actually just funding the team. Um, hopefully there's some profit at the end, but I think their goal uh, was achieved, which was to have a game uh, in the market, right? And yeah. uh, it is going to be on a lot of shelves around the world. Um I kept encouraging it and kind of nudging him a bit at the end of that interview when they said, this is kind of a one and done thing. I'm like, guys, like you've got something special you've created here. You know, you've got, uh, you know, some great creative uh, minds behind this that you, you know, yourselves and your artwork and so forth. Um, but you've built, you've built an infrastructure almost to, to do this, yes. you know, this launch. Right. So it'd be shame to kind of walk away from that infrastructure you've built. Now that you've kind of had that one game done. If and I I've, have anything to say with it, we will march on. We will do, other, <laughs> there will be other doomling things to be had. Or other games, right? Or, no, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's, uh, there, there's, there's no limits to what you can do once. The hardest part is building that infrastructure. Right. Once you have the infrastructure built, plugging another game in is actually relatively easy. And my personal experience, I would look at my tanks, but no thanks. My first game I launched, 
was excruciating and it was grueling, right? And had to get to the end. Uh, launch Queen of Scots, took some learnings from Thanks but No Thanks, did a you know smaller launch, something that was contained, but we knew that we were going to produce anyways, very small targets, learned a lot from that, took learnings from that. Nutty Squirrels, the Oakwood Force was much, much easier um, than the prior two games because you know the infrastructure has been built out. And then the next game we do will be even easier and should be more successful because again, we're continuing to leverage that, uh, that infrastructure. So it would be a shame not to see them leverage that infrastructure with uh, more games or extensions and so forth of the... Uh, the Doomlings world that they've uh, created. <laughs> yeah. So you're now with uh, Filsinger Games? Yes. I'm also doing stuff for Filsinger Games. I'm uh, doing some social media and um, just trying to build out for them. Like they, like their fan base is rabid. Like they have over 30 years of publishing games and their core fan base is really hardcore, but they haven't really marketed to like the masses, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I really want to help them with that. And from there, once that is, it, so is that going to be kind of a long-term contract? Is it kind of like a short-term contract or how, how's it structured? We're, gonna, we're just going to, we're just going to see how it, how it works out. We're going to start small and see if it turns into something. And if not, then it doesn't. Yeah. And so where, where do you go from here? Uh, you know, when I look at your skill set. um, I kind of see a couple of different paths you could take. One, one could be, uh, you know, creating board games yourself and doing your own campaigns. Is that something that's uh, part um, of your plans? I have, or? I have a couple of games on Game, game Crafter that are atrocious that you'll never <laughs> see um, because I made them early on. Um, I have a I have a friend uh, locally named Rachel that that's a, a solo board gamer that really wants to make a game with me. Yeah, that I would I'll, I would be open to doing that. We might do something. I don't look. I have planned none of this. I I'm a forklift driver. Like that is my main gig. Yeah. Like from going from a forklift driver to doing all this is incredible. So I don't have a road planned. Like wherever it takes me, it takes yeah. me, and I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, certainly you've got the even your own infrastructure you've kind of built now and being part of this larger team and you've got the visibility and the access. And I would say access is the biggest thing, right? Access to people to talk to, to advise you on certain things, whether it be manufacturing, distribution, and so forth. Um, but it'd be cool to see maybe if you've got these games you put on GameCrafter to maybe take one of them, reskin it, you know, bring in professional art artists and so forth and, and, and take a shot at doing a Kickstarter campaign yourself. Yeah, I, I, if any professionals want to work with me, because they all need professional help. They're terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess good playtesting doesn't mean uh, you're a good designer, right? Is that what you're getting at? That is, that is 100% <laughs> true. The other thing I was going to say is the other path you could potentially take is this kind of micro boutique uh, agency that hyper focuses on board games specifically for Kickstarter um, is that something you've considered of almost kind of building this out as like a, like a mini agency to, you know, be kind of like I, I a one-stop shop have, service for people? I have considered it. Um, what I, if I did something like that, I would definitely want to do it in a team format. Like I do with Doomlings. Like I've done some things on my own with the other companies, but I really, I just love the team format of having people that I know I can rely on. So if I did do something like that, it would, it would have to be with a couple people. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, maybe you lead that uh, that group of people, or take your triumvirate. Maybe that becomes the uh... my triumvirate is mighty. <laughs> They're the best. It's yeah. the best team I've ever worked for. They're amazing. 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, James, it has been awesome having you on this podcast and uh, learning uh, uh, more about the social media side, seeing under the hood of what has uh, become one of the top 150 games in the board game industry on Kickstarter. Uh, congratulations for all your success on that. To be part of something so huge like that is certainly a feather in your cap, and I'm sure you're going to use it to carry you in the, uh, the coming years. Thank you. All the best. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll